Hey guys, this is your wonderful host, Mike Satoshi here, and this is a little bit older of a podcast. This was from May the 10th. Um, I'm releasing it now. I was just able to strip the audio out of a YouTube live stream. Uh, you can actually see the video of this on my YouTube channel at Sharing in the Disruption Podcast. But um, uh, always message me on Twitter if you uh, want to ask any questions for the podcast at Mike Satoshi 4 And yeah, listen up. And this is this is a really good live stream. I've started doing that. And now I've figured out how to pull the audio. So sorry it took so long. I have another episode coming up from May the 8th um, and dealing with Dogecoin. And this is focusing on uh, some of the crypto that was going on at on May the 10th. All right. Thanks, guys. Here, looks crazy. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome to Sharing in the Disruption podcast live feed. And I am going to be the last episode I talked about Dogecoin leading up to the Saturday Night Live episode with Elon. And I really didn't want to cover it because <laughs> um, I'd rather talk about uh, crypto projects I'm more interested in. Um, I talk a lot about technology and disruption, and this crypto has just got me so fascinated because there's just so much going on in it right now. So we could talk about technology for a second and just kind of how the stocks have been bombing lately. And thank God for crypto because um, I've been doing good on, on Coinbase and in the crypto I've got invested in, but um, I'm getting murdered on my uh, stock investments right now. Um, values kind of having its its time in the sun and materials and everybody's worried about inflation. So all that seems to be doing really well. But if you're in kind of the ARC funds or the, the cloud and the technology stuff, uh, AI, any of that is just getting uh, massacred. Even um, Amazon and Apple and Facebook, all that seemed to be kind of resistant. For a while, but even that got uh, slayed today. So um, I'm going to talk about some crypto. I like. I just really want to kind of educate from what I've learned. Um, I got into this um, after doing a, an interview with a crypto miner, and I just really just found it so interesting, and I wanted to learn as much as possible. And it's, it's weird because with stocks, like the more I study on it, the more I feel like I know. Um, and crypto is just, I see why people make silly or in my opinion, silly investments, because the more I feel like I learn and I'm somebody who just jumps in and just buries myself in knowledge. And I feel like I know, I mean, I obviously know more than when I started, but it's really frustrating because I'll start feeling convicted on something and then I'll be like, um, I mean, I, I really just kind of knew Bitcoin and Ethereum for the longest time. I just had some money in those, but I, I didn't really fully understand why. I went to some Bitcoin groups and a lot of the people there were Bitcoin maximalists and they were like, that's all you should have is Bitcoin. It's going to be like a million dollars a coin. 
And I wasn't satisfied with that. Like they weren't giving me good answers as to like, why is Ethereum not worth anything then? And why, what about all these, these altcoins? Um, and once I start digging into it, I actually feel that Ethereum's going to be worth more. It's just like not as far along as Bitcoin. Um, if Bitcoin's like kind of a digital gold, Ethereum can be like uh, the platform for like everything. But then Ethereum has its own problems, which is scaling. And like as it's getting swamped with people right now, I like I started experimenting with decentralized like outside of Coinbase using like Uniswap or MetaMask to like move some money around and trade tokens. And I literally tried to move like $40 around and had like $150 worth of fees. And I was like, this isn't sustainable. Nobody's going to do this. The only way it would make sense is if maybe you're buying like super expensive NFT or, and you're just like, screw it. I don't care. Like, I just want this. But, um, if you're doing like decentralized finance, like, I mean, my Ethereum was like going up and I was, I moved it around to a couple of different accounts and just the fees like burned up everything I've gained. And so I started researching how does Ethereum scale? And if Ethereum doesn't make it, who, who is kind of the second in line? And that got me into uh, Vitalik Buterin is the, the guy that um, obviously we don't know the whoever created Bitcoin. Um, I think it was in 2013 to 2015, Ethereum was created. Bitcoin was like from 2009. And Vitalik and then this guy, Charles Hoskins, and uh, this team, um, they were developing Ethereum and they had some disagreements and they kind of split up. And Charles Hoskinson uh, is creating Cardano, which is another token. And then there, uh, somebody else went off and created Polkadot, which, so there's all these tokens and I'll like, I guess you could classify them in a few different ways. Like Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, except I would argue that nobody's really going to exchange it until the value ever stabilized. Um, there's things like Bitcoin cash, there's Zcash and things that were actually created to be kind of exchanged. I guess you could say Dogecoin is a, a cryptocurrency, but most of the other things don't really fall into the bundle of cryptocurrencies. And like, they might be like governance or utility tokens or a blockchain. So when people say the blockchain, there can be different blockchains. Um, Bitcoin is on its own blockchain. And Bitcoin actually split at one point. Bitcoin Cash went off um, because they didn't want it to be more of like a digital gold. And then uh, Bitcoin split off from Bitcoin Cash. And those are two separate blockchains. Um, Ethereum Classic and Ethereum are two different blockchains. Ethereum pioneered the concept of a smart contract, which is where you can, it's like programmable money. And you can program in all these different use cases uh, for Ethereum tokens. Um, and you can build all of these things off of it. So think of it as like an app store, like the Apple App Store or um, the Android App Store. And so it really has all these different use cases. And I think that's what makes Ethereum worth more 
is you can build NFTs off of it, whereas you, you they're not really doing that off of Bitcoin. It's not really meant to be tampered with. Um, they have tried to do like a layer two on Bitcoin, which is like the Lightning Network. Um, but with Ethereum, they've built like DeFi, decentralized finance. You can do loans and you can, you can borrow money. You can loan money. You can stake it. Um, there's all these, you can do derivatives, um, maybe even eventually like have a stock market or something built off of Ethereum. And so it's really fascinating. I mean, they're always coming up with new use cases for it, but Ethereum, it wasn't really set up to handle the amount of transactions that are now being funneled through it. So that's why as it's getting clogged in the, the bandwidth, it, think of Ethereum now as like dial up. And like when you used to have the internet just like clogged up or maybe like um, five, uh, 2G or something like that. And they're trying to push it into, you know, four or 5G or something. And they really need to scale it up to the masses. Otherwise your people are just gonna flock off of Ethereum because of all these fees. So far, Ethereum is one of the most decentralized, and that's kind of preserves the ethos of what blockchain is supposed to be, which um, you want more decentralization because that actually makes the whole network more secure. You have more validators for each transaction. Whereas some of these blockchains, uh, like Binance Coin, um, there's, there's a comp like an exchange called Binance. They have their own blockchain and EOS and some of these, and they're not as decentralized. Actually, Binance isn't decentralized. It can be like shut down by Binance. Um, and there, I've heard there's problems that the block size is getting way too big and the whole, it could destabilize the whole system. Um, don't, you know, don't, don't uh, hold me to that. But um, that's, that's just things I've heard. I've heard a lot of concerns about that system, but there's a whole ecosystem built off that and it's one of the most popular tokens. Um, so how do you make Ethereum? How do you save Ethereum? And layer two, they're actually addressing one of the big problems people have is with um, Bitcoin and some of these older coins in Litecoin and stuff like that, you mine it and that involves you know, it used to be like CPUs or GPUs. Um, you had to get this fancy mining equipment and run all this electricity. And what you're doing is essentially operating as a node and you're, um, you're forming these blocks and you get paid that way. So it's like, like mining gold or something, but digitally. Um, you're, essentially, it's like a fancy calculator that you're solving problems with. And then China came up with these things called ASIC miners that are more efficient, um, but it uses a ton of electricity and everybody's like, oh, you know, this is killing the environment. Um, not to mention it's got its own issues. And Ethereum is now switching over. So they're like doing all of this while it's being massively used. And it is switching over to proof of stake, which is where, and I'm actually a participant now. Like, so what I did is I owned regular Ethereum and Coinbase opened it up to where you can stake the money you have in regular Ethereum. 
and it kind of gets locked up until Ethereum 2 comes out. And you can earn 6% interest on it. I'm sure you could, there's other places you can get higher. Um, and it, that's your kind of like your block reward, like that you would get maybe from mining. Um, technically, you're originally you, you were supposed to have 32 Ethereum before you could stake. And Ethereum hit about $4,000. Let's see. So if, <laughs> let's see how much money that would be. I don't have that kind of money sitting around. That would be $128,000 to be able to stake Ethereum. Now, if I had that much money, I'd probably earn a bigger percentage than 6%, but I would be earning $7,680 a year off of just having my Ethereum sitting there. Um, but with Coinbase, they like kind of pulled everything together and they, uh, they made it to where you can like fractionally stake it, um, which you could actually do that when you're mining, you can join a pool and you don't get as much money, but you're, you're joining like this whole group. And as you mine blocks together, it kind of distributes it out amongst the pool. Um, I know it's, it's like, it can get pretty complicated. Um, now there are layer two solutions, which, um, so you think of the base layer, which is Ethereum, and there are actually tokens that are, and these are things I'm looking at investing in, is they work on the Ethereum base layer. Um, and there's there's different types. There's something called roll-ups, um, op optimism chain, uh, side chains, all these different ways that you can kind of like push some of the bandwidth and transaction off chain um, or maybe compress it somehow. Maybe like I'm trying to visualize it. I'm thinking like maybe the way you would have like a zip file or something um, I, I know I'm not doing justice, but there's, there's ways that you can take some of that bandwidth off chain and, or somehow have it using less, less um, bandwidth. And, it goes up from like maybe 20 transactions per second to like thousands, which is a huge difference. And they're actually saying that, I mean, there's all these different things Vitalik is doing to scale up Ethereum. And one is called sharding where they like split the blocks up somehow. And I mean, you can look up sharding and get a good description of that, but it's somehow like breaking up the blocks decentralizing it somehow that allows you uh, more transactions to be handled um all these kind of creative things but still it only gets it it only gets you so far i think it they can go from like 20 to 200 like so um maybe like a, a 10x or something like that so what vitalik has even said is that it's it's probably going to heavily rely on the roll-ups and all these like layer two solutions and that maybe they won't even finish doing Ethereum uh, 2.0 if the layer two stuff actually makes it faster than if they even finished it in the first place. So I know that's um, that's a mouthful, but there are some competitors to Ethereum as well. Um, one of the guys that broke off, as I said, uh, formed Cardano, 
and he is taking a very academic, whereas Vitalik just kind of jumped in and got it out there, and they've been tweaking it as they go. Um, Charles is like has this team, and he's getting all these academics in there, um, which sounds great. You know, they're starting from like a blank slate. Um, you can watch a lot of his videos. Um, seems like a very smart dude. Um, but you know, when you're sitting there talking like on this academic level, it's like, I want to see if it works. And, you know, you really don't know, like someone can publish all these papers and say this, and it almost seems like they're going too academic of a route, but I mean, who knows, maybe it works. And he's actually going down in, uh, I think he's getting the government of Ethiopia, uh, to, um, on board and showing them how to use Cardano and, He's pushing to Africa a lot, which, I mean, Africa is definitely got so much potential in the future, and they've kind of leapfrogged with the advent of uh, cellular and just gone straight into kind of this mobile. So, like, if he can create – and that's where the population growth in the future is going to come from. And so if he can really, like, get things to take off over there and get it to just go viral, then who knows? Um so what I'm actually doing is I have most, you know, I have exposure to Bitcoin. I've actually moved more exposure now to Ethereum than Bitcoin. Um, and then I've actually have it kind of like one to 10 hedged. Uh, like most of my money's in Ethereum. And then I have some in Cardano just in case. Uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty cheap right now. So just in case they take off, um, there's a saying think if um, I'm going to screw this up, if, you know, you could take a, a risky investment, like if you're doing a risky investment, if it goes sky high, a little's all you need. But if it tanks, a little's all you want. So I've, I don't know who said that, but uh, maybe it's Warren Buffett. I don't know. But uh, I think it's a good quote. And it's just you don't want to be overexposed to something that's risky. Like I would say definitely you'd want probably most of your money in Bitcoin and Ethereum. But as you learn about all these uh, these altcoins and stuff, like find the ones that are actually really useful. And the more I look into it, the, and don't look on – I mean you can, you can look on like uh, CoinGecko or um, CoinMarketCap and – see like what are the biggest coins, but I wouldn't go by that because Dogecoin was like number four. And <laughs> um, I mean, market cap really isn't a gauge of like, is this sustainable? Is this, is this really useful? Um, there's, I mean, the Binance coin is like way up there too, but I, I look at it and it lets you break it down into all these categories too. You can see what are the most popular coins in NFTs, in DeFi, um, in blockchains. You can even see like certain investor groups like Andreessen and Horowitz and uh, stuff like that. And you can see like what coins they're investing in. I use Google Trends a lot and I've actually been using that because it kind of tells you like when things are starting to trend before they actually are like when you're looking at a, a chart, you're actually seeing what already has happened. And, you know, people, Google trends is showing you 
um, it shows this dotted line sometimes, like straight up, and it's like projecting like the interest. Um, it doesn't always show that, but if something's really starting to take off, down or up, it'll it'll show you like what's happening. And I will I will uh, have like I typed in like Bitcoin and Ethereum in Google Trends, and you can see. Uh, um, there was that that big spike because it's a cyclical thing in like 2017, and you see Bitcoin on Google Trends spike up to a hundred, hundreds like max interest, um, and you see Ethereum. Ethereum didn't do that much because it wasn't a big deal back then. It went up to like 15, maybe like 10 on this on the scale. Uh, 25, 50, 75, and 100. Then it it crashes and it flattens out for a few years, spiked a little bit in like 2018, 2019. And then now you've got Bitcoin spiked up to about 50. And then it's it's kind of gone down. And we've seen that reflected in the price of Bitcoin. It's, it's kind of hit about... 60 and then it's just kind of been tapered back down to 48 and then it's just kind of been bouncing around well the interesting thing is ethereum has like more than doubled what it did in 2017 as far as these are google searches this is not price but um it shows it shows the level of interest and you actually see and this has never really happened before you actually see the interest on Ethereum is going straight up and Bitcoin is going down and they're about to meet. And right now I think Ethereum is maybe halfway to Bitcoin's market cap. And you might say, Mike, like, what are you talking about? Bit, uh, Ethereum's only $4,000 um, oh, an ETH. And Bitcoin is, you know, almost uh, 60,000. Well, you have to look at it. You got to look at how the pie is sliced and how many shares are outstanding. Bitcoin will have, uh, I think it's 22 million um, tokens once they're completely mined. And Ethereum has a lot more than that. Therefore, you know, um, when... Ethereum hits about $10,000 in ETH, then it will have reached or surpassed uh, Bitcoin's market cap if Bitcoin stayed like where it is now, which is uh, pretty crazy. And But when you look at ETH now, it's like 4,000. Like that's not that crazy for it to go from 4,000. I mean, like, Last year it was a uh, hundred and something dollars, I think, in an ETH. Um, so we're already halfway there, and so that's called the flippening, uh, is when ETH flips Bitcoin. And I just see so many more use cases for Ethereum, so I think it's entirely plausible. But as far as on Google Trends and the the interest and like. Uh, what is trending, you know, Bitcoin's like going down and Ethereum is about to meet it right now. So um, a lot more people are becoming aware of Ethereum. Uh, 
And you've had a lot of high profile people like Gary Vaynerchuk and stuff like pushing people to get a MetaMask and to, to start using Ethereum uh, for NFTs. I mean, NFTs have been huge. DeFi has been huge. So you've got these big catalysts that really push people to, to get into this stuff. Um, so as far as scaling Ethereum, the, the I'm on uh, ethereum.org and it talks about layer two solutions. And there's different types of solutions that have been proposed. And some of the initial ones haven't panned out that great. Um, and this is says, uh, why is layer two needed? So I think that's a good basis. You know, we've already said that the, the base layer is getting clogged up and it doesn't have the bandwidth for everybody that's trying to use it. So if this doesn't get fixed, then people are going to flock off of Ethereum and they're going to go find another, another chain. And hopefully it's like Cardano or somebody because those are still pretty decentralized. Um, there are companies trying to make private blockchains. They're trying to jump on this and they're trying to find a way to control it. Um, I mean, blockchain can be an existential threat for Amazons and Facebooks and Google because they have found a way to carve up what was supposed to be decentralized internet and be the gatekeepers. There's like four companies uh, in the U.S. that are like kind of the gatekeepers of the internet, and you know there's private equity, venture capital, and all this that's trying to buy projects. And at first, I was like, oh, you know, I should invest in some of the, the ones that have this big backing. And that's actually like I'm coming to have the opposite. Is like I don't want it to be controlled by the people with the money. And I don't think you can buy a good project, especially in this de decentralized way. I think the decentralized projects are going to win out because they're open source and people can really just, there's such a power and community and in these open developers, they have so much more incentive to really make a good project. Um, and I, I think this is like, we finally found an area where that can't be bought. You can't just buy a good project. Um, so why is a, a layer two needed? Um, some use cases like blockchain games make no sense with current transaction times. So a lot of stuff's going to be put on in like AR and VR. Um, you've got NFTs. All these things take up a ton of bandwidth. And you've actually had a lot of NFTs spin off like Flow, uh, Wax, and the um, NBA Top Shots that have just gone and like done their own thing but they don't benefit from the security. And that's a real big quality of Ethereum. Um, it can be unnecessarily expensive to use blockchain applications, the gas fees. That's, that's what they call uh, the fees you pay with Ethereum is gas. And uh, any updates to scalability would not be at the expense of de decentralization or security. Layer two builds on top of Ethereum. And, some layer two projects build more like they're, they, they do get the security of Ethereum and some of them, I think they're the, the bad projects. Um, they're like tied to Ethereum, but they do it so much off chain that they don't benefit from the security of Ethereum. So there's something called rollups. Um, rollups are solutions that perform transactions 
transaction execution outside the main Ethereum chain, layer one, but post-transaction data on layer one. As transaction data is on layer one, this allows rollups to be secured by layer one. Inherently, the security properties of layer one while performing execution outside of layer one is a defining characteristic of rollups. Three uh, properties of rollups are, uh, one is transaction execution is outside of layer one. So it, it takes it off layer one to do the transactions. Um, data or proof of transactions is on layer one. And three is a, a roll-up smart contract in layer one that can enforce correct transaction execution on layer two by using the transaction data on layer one. Roll-ups require operators to stake a bond in the roll-up contract. This incentivizes operators to verify and execute transactions properly. So like what, what is this helpful for? It's useful for reducing fees, which nobody wants to pay like crazy fees, um, open participation and fast transaction throughput. Um, I was hearing things about like, like you could, you could be trying to do something on Ethereum. It, 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 you might get held up for like 20 seconds or way longer. You get put in a line um, if, if it's way too clogged up. There's two types of rollups um, that have different security models. One is called uh, zero knowledge rollups. Um, and they run computational off chain and submit a v validity proof to the chain. And then optimistic rollups, which assume transactions are valid by default and only run comp computation via a fraud proof in the event of a challenge. So, yeah, a lot of like fancy talk. Um, yeah, one of those, the knowledge proof, the zero knowledge ones are just called ZK rollups. So, the the pros and the cons of these things, these are kind of like the, the, the biggest ways to speed up Ethereum. The pros are faster finality time since uh, it's instantly verified and uh, the proofs are sent to the main chain. And then they're not vulnerable to economic attacks that optimistic rollups uh, can be vulnerable to. So it sounds like the optimistic rollups don't use the security of Ethereum as much. Um, and they're secure and decentralized since the data that is needed to recover, it is stored on layer one chain. So what's some of the tokens that use this type of uh, the ZK rollups is uh, Loopring, uh, Starkware, Matter Labs, ZK Sync, Aztec, and Hermes. Um, the only one on Coinbase is Loopring. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I own some of those tokens right now. Um, the optimistic rollups, what are a few of those tokens that you can get? Um, Optimism, Off-Chain Labs, uh, Arbitrum Rollup, Fuel Network, and Cartesi. Um, Cartesi is the only one that has just now been added to Coinbase. I say Coinbase because I really think it's the most user-friendly. Um, I know some, a lot of people don't like the centralization of it, but I feel safe with my money there. Um, you have control of your money. You can send it to a wallet and they're always adding features. It's just kind of, 
this is still in the wild west phase and they're able to like manage a lot of the fees. So you're not just paying like crazy fees. You don't have to remember a wallet address, like the, the 15 word uh, seed phrase. So it just makes it so easy. And I don't, I don't like have to worry about anything really using that. And, and they store your money in cold storage. Uh, hybrid solutions exist that combine the best parts of multiple layer two technologies and they have configurable trade-offs. Uh, seller is one, off-chain labs. Let's see if there's any more. There's, so another one is called state channels. That's an older type of, that people aren't really using much anymore. Some of the projects of that is Connext, K channels, uh, P run, Raiden. I've heard of that one and state channels. Um, side chains is another uh, way that things can kind of be taken off chain and speed up Ethereum. It is one of the pros is this, it's established. One of the cons is it's less decentralized, which I mean, that's supposed to be one of the big benefits of all of this in the first place. But um, let's see, it, it doesn't benefit from all the security. It sacrifices some of the security of Ethereum. But some of the side chains are scale, S-K-A-L-E. That's on, that's on um, uh, Coinbase. <laughs> Coinbase, uh, POA Network, XDAI. Um, they don't have this on here, but Polygon or Matic uses, uses a side chain. But they're also like going into all these different types. Um, so Polygon and Matic is a really interesting um, because they kind of cover a lot of these different ones. So I, I like some of these utility tokens because it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really matter if people know about them. Uh, they're not the, like, the popular ones you're going to see on Reddit and stuff like that. But these are like the things that are needed to, if, if Ethereum works, they're going to work. Um, they're, they're going to really benefit from Ethereum 2.0 and they're what's going to make it possible for Ethereum to work really well. Um, and I, I don't know if they can be used on other blockchains like a Cardano. Um, Cardano, I think, claims they don't need any of this. They're claiming to have a super scalable network. Uh, them and like Solana and Polygon. I mean, um, Polkadot. Uh, this, another type is Plasma. I mean, these names are... Or wild. Uh, Plasma chain is a separate blockchain. This is an older type of uh, solution that is anchored to the main Ethereum chain and uses fraud proofs like optimistic rollups um, to arbitrate disputes. So some of the coins that use Plasma are OMG. I, ha I have that one that's on a uh, Coinbase, Polygon, previously Matic Network, Gluon, LeapDAO, and Gazelle. Uh, and I think this is the last type of layer two solution is called Validium. 
uh, uses validity proofs like ZK rollups, but data is not stored on the main layer one Ethereum chain, which is good because uh, it just keeps all that bandwidth uh, off chain. This can lead to 10,000 transactions per second per Validium chain, and multiple chains can be run in parallel. Uh, some of the projects that use this are Starkware, Matter Labs, ZK Porter, and Loopring. I think this is one of the, the better projects too. So if, if you're really trying to find some of the best ones, ZK Rollups, Optimus, Optimism, and Validium, I think are some of the best, uh, the best layer twos. And do I understand all of this? No, like I'm not a computer programmer, but um, I have been, you know, trying to read as much as I can to understand what are some of the more useful things in Ethereum. And if you go on to like Coin, Coin Market Cap, where do I have that pulled up? You can search the different types. My my bank thing fell down. Um, you can search. You can go over to, uh, let's see. You can search like categories of coins. And where, I always do this on my, my phone. Let's see. Click on coin market cap. And you should be able to find uh, something that says categories, cryptocurrencies. Huh. So there's, um, you can, you should be able to find something that says categories and it'll show you like the different blockchains. You can look up the ecosystems for all the different, the different blockchains. Oh, wow. Um, Dogecoin's still in fourth. Yeah, we've got, so Bitcoin's number one right now uh, with a market cap at one tr over a trillion dollars. You got Ethereum at number two, Binance at number three. Like I said, I don't think the best coins are represented in the top the top 10. Dogecoin's still number four. $59 billion Dogecoin is worth right now. Uh, Tether, which that's a stable coin. I haven't talked about that, but those are coins that are like pegged to like the US dollar or Euro um, or anything like that's maybe like a traditional fiat or gold. Uh, Tether's rate is one of the highest coins, but uh, it's, it's kind of questionable from what I've heard. Like people question whether they have enough. So Tether and some of these other um, stable coins, they're supposed to have collateral. So I guess if they have, Tether has $56 billion in market cap. So they have $56 billion in market cap, but it's still pegged at $1. And so what they're doing is they collateralize that somewhere and they, they're supposed to have it all backed up. And there's been people questioning whether Tether has all that in reserve to back it up. Um, some of these stable coins, you can actually earn better interest than like in any bank account off of it. But I like a stable coin called DAI, D-A-I, and it actually is minted. It's the only coin that is uh, backed up 
all digitally through an algorithm and maker maker coin prints die so you've actually got one coin that prints other coin um whereas die always stays at you at one dollar to match the us dollar um maker you, you look at maker and it's on a tear and um that's actually been one of the more consistent coins um that i've i've thrown some money into because what traders are doing and a lot of people do is during a bull market they'll throw all their money into like altcoins ethereum bitcoin but then when there's a crash like before before there's a crash hopefully they can take that money and throw it into a stable coin and they don't have to pull it off chain you don't have to pay taxes on it it just sits there maybe cruise interest um, and then they can deploy it when they need to again um, and traders will go in and out of uh, volatile cryptocurrency and stable coins like Facebook tried to make their own uh, stable coin and uh, government wasn't too happy about them doing that. So Tether's number five. Um, but if you weren't going to be a die, like I've heard better things about USDC. Um, there's like a US dollar coin and stuff like that. I've just heard questionable things about Tether. Um, and they're not as open to audits as some of the other coins are. This is a new one. It's Internet Computer, Internet Computer ICP coin. Uh, that just came out, and they just put it on Coinbase. And that's supposed to be another blockchain. And they're claiming to be like the um, – they, they're claiming that they're going to compete with like Amazon Web Services. So this is another really cool thing is that some of these like Filecoin and storage and Internet Computer, they're, they're – they can de they're trying to decentralize storage to like all these different computers around the world instead of these giant data centers. And you could actually get coins for like hosting like little parcels of, of data on your uh, computer. Um, I don't know whether you do it on like more of a desktop or you, I guess, or if you would have like more of a kind of server stack or something, but um, it, it sounds super interesting. Uh, they're, they're trying to make, compete with like social media, like do a decentralized version of like LinkedIn and all this stuff. Um, it's brand new. I haven't found that much information on it. The guy that is forming Cardano is not a big fan. He says uh, the guy that uh, runs internet computer coin is been poaching people from him or trying to poach people from the Cardano team. And um, Cardano is right below them. XRP is number eight. XRP's current, uh, I think they just got out of trouble with the, the Securities Commission or um, the SEC, and they'll probably start, I mean, you can buy them on some exchanges, not Coinbase, but uh, they're they're working more with like institutions, but I guess they were at, um, they're in trouble for like, I guess selling the coin as a security, which doesn't make any sense to me because all these are pretty much being sold as securities. Um, I mean, this is like the stock market. I don't like, I don't know why one company gets in trouble for it. Um, which I'm excited about because I hate that the stock market opens at a certain time in the morning. It closes like you can trade crypto any time of day and I can't wait. Like they actually have, um, there's a token called mirror and synthetics 
and they actually emulate real world assets like Tesla stock or Amazon stock or gold or oil, um, synthetic assets. And it's really a cool concept. And uh, Binance chain has actually been doing a lot with that, like kind of create a little stock market on their chain, which I feel like is welcoming this. You see, they are located outside the United States though. So maybe they won't get in trouble for it. Uh, Polkadot's number nine. That's another competitor to Ethereum and Cardano. Um, and then I don't know why these are up so high. Bitcoin caches and Litecoin. Um, I don't see a lot of traction between some of these, except they've been around forever. Um, they spike when Bitcoin and Ethereum spike. I just don't see a lot of utility. Um, and for some reason, all these exchanges put them up there whenever like PayPal and all these different exchanges. And I mean, they just put up whatever's popular. Robinhood put Dogecoin up. Um, but they always put like Ethereum Classic and Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin. I don't think they put any of the good coins ever up. Look, I didn't even know all these good coins were out until I got like, a Coinbase account. Uh, and I love Coinbase because they thoroughly vet like the projects they put on there. Chainlink is a really good one. That's what's called uh, an Oracle token. Um, and there's a few different kinds of Oracle tokens. Chainlink, essentially, the blockchain it's, it's not smart in the sense that like the blockchain only knows the blockchain exists. It's just this thing in cyberspace. It's these blocks of uh, transactions or whatever. And what the what like something like Chainlink does as an oracle is it can put data onto the blockchain and it can aggregate it it can take that data in from aggregators or like i mean the blockchain can know what the weather is or like i can't explain why you would need to know that but like all these different applications that use the blockchain like ethereum or whatever they could um for example like coinbase needs to know maybe all these different token prices or something and or maybe a Uniswap or something like that. And so it acts as an Oracle that transmits all this data onto the blockchain. Now, I'm sure you're familiar, there's de there's centralized exchanges, which is like your Kraken and your Coinbase and your Gemini and all those different kind of platforms. Well, this is what I was fooling around with, but I just found it to do be too darn expensive right now. Um, once they get these kinks worked out and the gas fees and all, I might try it again. But there are decentralized exchanges, which are essentially run as like an algorithm. They they create it and then they just kind of release it in the wild on the blockchain. And uh, the biggest one is Uniswap. Uh, it is valued at is it $18 billion dollars. And so it's like, it's essentially like Coinbase, except completely like run autonomously. Uh, and you can go on there and swap tokens and, and do what you need to do um, right from your like crypto wallet, like a MetaMask or a, a whatever you use. Uh, Coinbase has a wallet as well. Stellar is another, I think, um, crypto uh 
cryptocurrency kind of token. USD coin is what I was talking about. Um, oh wow, there's some there's some shit coins on here. This is this makes me lose faith in humanity. Number sixteen is Shiba Inu token. It's now worth fourteen billion dollars, which is more than companies that are actually worth something. Wow. Uh, trying to think, what's a fourteen billion dollar company? Mm, who cares? It's just people throwing money away. That's what that is. Uh, v chain is a blockchain done a lot uh, that is used for like logistics. And I won't go into any more of these, but I don't know why some of these are some of these are so popular. Um, oh, here we go. Categories. It tells you like what are like the trending categories. Wow. Um, usually it's like useful things. Uh, the number one category right now on coin market cap is memes. Whew. The market cap of the memes group is 74. No, no, no. Is that just what the what's being exchanged right now? $74 billion? That's like the Doge coin. Oh my gosh. There's health, VR, AR, video, social money, gambling. Oh man. <laughs> like there's there's coins that are worth a lot. I mean that are that do a lot of good. Um I mean, I think someday we'll like have projects that do a lot with like VRAR, um, streaming, health, but not this cycle. Um, I mean, we're in a bull run right now. This is in, in, in its infancy and we're in the pets.com phase and there are just stupid things getting all of the oxygen. <laughs> Oh man, I've never seen memes at the top. Uh, you have to scroll quite a bit down to get to anything useful. Masternodes is at number seven. AI and big data, that's useful. But um, DeFi, nobody cares about DeFi or Ethereum 2.0 staking. Um, yeah, the stuff everybody's putting their money into like, if you actually learn about this stuff, you can probably make some good money because nobody's putting their money into the quality projects. And if you wait it out and don't get FOMO and jump into one of these meme coins, like go to the moon token or Shiba Inu, I... Yeah, I don't. I mean, if 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 you're playing the long game, there's there's some good projects. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do is try to show people like how to find some good stuff. There's things called a DAO. It's super interesting, but nobody cares about it right now. A DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization, um, and that's what I think we'll be working for someday. You know, like you know, like your boss. Like I think someday people are going to be working for these. Um, Uniswap is a DAO. Um, 
you can contribute to these these uh, essentially like a de decentralized Coinbase. Uh, if you know how to do some coding or whatever, you earn some tokens, um, and you know you can you can probably make a living at some point, like just working for these decentralized organizations online. I mean, on on the blockchain. Um, who knows what what you, you can do? I'm really excited because I ordered um, uh, from a, there's a there's a token called Helium token, and I went to Emirate.io and I ordered ordered like they had it for free. I heard him on a, this guy on a podcast, and it's an IoT device you stick in your window, and it's not much. It's like eight dollars a month you can earn just having this little device though stick sitting in your window. Um, I think that's just the free device earns like eight dollars a month, but you stick it in your window and acts as like a, uh, um, like an Internet of Things kind of device to like, uh, guess increase like uh, reception or cellular connectivity in like kind of a mesh kind of way. Um, I know I'm not explaining it well, but um, you could go on their website and actually earn like full miners or purchase full miners and stuff. Um, which I guess could be nodes in the network. Uh, and it actually like uh, transmits like a signal of uh, something to uh, kind of form like a network. And you can go on and see like who else in your area is, is acting as like a, a wireless network. It's, it's really freaking cool. Um, so I've been kind of trying to explore like, what's some ways I can earn like passive income through some of these blockchain projects. Um, and to me, that's something that has utility. Like um, if I could just be, I, I mean, I originally looked into mining and I just felt like that seemed like a big pain. Um, I know that sounds like mining and it, it is technically, but it, it uses like 10 Watts a day or something great. Like something really low. It's not, it's not mining in the same way that you're mining Bitcoin. Um, so there's, there's a lot of cool opportunities out there. And you just have to remember, this is super hype stage right now. And I can't tell you how many times I have people message me just because they know I'm into this and ask me what I think of Dogecoin. And my eyes roll to the back of my head. But who knows, maybe Dogecoin will rule the world one day when it goes to the moon. Um, on, let's see. Yeah, I had some articles pulled up on like working for a DAO, which I was talking about. Uh, I had an article pulled up for top 10 ways to earn passive income with crypto. I, that stuff just fascinates me because uh, I work hard for my money and I'd like to decouple it from just like physically working all the time. Um, that's why I do this podcast, honestly. I mean, I'd, I'd love to just do what I love all the time at some point. But um, also, if, you know, I can, that's why I invest. That's why I you know, own a business. Um, and if, if I can do something like mining or um, acting as a node in a network or staking crypto, um, that, I'm super into that, you know, just uh, finding ways to add value um, and work less. And, Move to the Caribbean. <laughs> um, 
I use two different sources a lot for crypto news. Uh, one is CoinDesk and one is Cointelegraph. And, oh, this kind of ties in because I don't talk about investing as much as I should still. Because um, tech is sucking right now. But actually, it's probably crypto is going up and uh, it'd be a good time probably to find some good deals in the tech, tech space. Um, I think it's just getting walloped right now, but I'd like to get back in, uh, start throwing some money in because you're getting some good deals in. Depends what it is. Uh, eBay is exploring NFTs and possible crypto payments, which is really funny. I was doing a podcast a little while back and my friend uh, said eBay could be the next GameStop or something. Um, he was he was saying he was trying to figure out what the next GameStop kind of stock could be. But I'm not trying to find the next GameStop. But eBay would be a great platform to do NFTs. Um, they, they have collectibles, all kinds of stuff. I have some different stocks to try to play the NFT space. Honestly, I looked up, um, I think we've been in this era where everyone thinks you have to be an, a computer engineer or be super technically savvy. And I've been told like, I mean, I was told at school, like I started out going to school for art and I was told like, oh, art won't get you anywhere. You need to get a, this, a technology degree or something. Um, and I think it's going to flip. And I think just like being like a programmer or something, it's just be almost like a commodity. And I think I, IP, intellectual property and creative, creative stuff with the advent of NFTs, you'll finally be able to like writers and musicians and artists will be able to really extract a heck of a lot more value. And I guess whoever owns that content, uh, because first of all, I mean, like music, it can't really be pirated if you had it as like NFTs because you know who the original owner is. Or, you know, fake news will be harder if you have an NFT because, you know, you can see who created this. And um, you can't really lie about it if you can like trace it back, like almost like a Carfax report. Um, but yeah, maybe like an eBay. Uh, I am in Funco is a stock, F-U-N-C-O. They do those little like things that are at GameStop, those little bobblehead kind of, or those little toys that have like the big eyes and are like Star Wars characters or Game of Thrones or whatever. Um, they, they bought an NFT company. Um, so I'm thinking companies that really have a lot of IP and I Googled like who has the most IP. Guess who pops up, like near the top? Disney, um, Mattel, Hasbro. Uh, I mean, AT and T has a lot of IP, like um, Sony Music, Warner Music, um, Twitter. I think. Um, wait, not Twitter. Uh, Square is bought a company that Jay Z owns. Um, that. I think it's going to like interact directly with uh, musicians and allow you to be able to send money to them. Maybe even somehow create NFTs of the music. I think Spotify is going to do something 
Uh, I think there's a lot of different uh, Sony gaming companies. Think Roblox, uh, Activision, EA Sports, Tops, T-O-P-P-S, Tops, uh, like Tops baseball cards. They just went public as a SPAC, and I think they haven't de-SPAC'd yet, but um, definitely get, they're definitely getting into NFTs. So a lot of these companies, any company that has like all that level of intellectual property, um, also when you pr produce an NFT, you can set what the royalty will be. Live Nation is another one with tickets. Maybe Zillow, things like houses can be on those assets. But you can set like a royalty and say you set it like 10% royalty. Every time it changes hands, 10% goes back to the originator of that NFT. It's, it's, it's wild. And like think about Disney's – if Disney made everything as an NFT and they had all these royalties going back to them. Like if I wrote a book right now and I sold it, if someone sells it to a used bookstore and the used bookstore sells it and then they sell it to Amazon – like I don't get any of that, but you know you can get if for the lifespan of that product you can get money back on that. Um, that's that's pretty crazy. And um, what is that? Uh, luxury goods, watches, uh, Louis Vuitton. Uh, they have a stock. Uh, their bags. I think they're going to do as NFTs at some point. So everybody's getting on this. Some companies, it's not going to work for them. I think. There was Charmin or some toilet paper company was trying to do an NFT and like they're just gonna look stupid and maybe people think it's funny, I don't know. But it's it's I think it's good for the space. A lot of people are like, oh, this is just huge hype. I think NFTs are even Dogecoin to an extent, as stupid as I think that is, are like an on-ramp for the general population because the general population doesn't care about decentralized finance. They don't care about yields and like APY, like doing all this trading derivatives. I mean, all this stuff that like people were making for uh, the crypto market. And I mean, they don't even care probably as much about Bitcoin or uh, any of these utility tokens. And but they do care about artwork and collectibles and uh, and memes. So whatever, I guess, gets people in and gets people interested, and maybe they'll, there'll be a certain stickiness to 5% of those people. And they'll – I mean, I got in, like, I, I had, like, something was a gateway drug for me. I guess it was, uh, well, let's do a podcast, but everybody has their gateway drug and some people are going to get stuck and hooked into the ecosystem and figure it out. And it's, it's so early. It like, this will all get adopted at some point and, uh, we'll look back and all of this will seem archaic. Just like when you look at early internet and the old Macintosh and all that kind of stuff, it's, it just seems so outdated, and I'm sure that all of this is going to look the same way. You know, the way you used to have to do transactions is like, oh, I'm so scared to buy something online. Like, is this safe? 
I mean, now that's mostly what we do. So I will, um, I guess I don't really have anything else to say about all this. Um, but uh, hope, hope I helped educate about a few things and uh, thanks for listening.